Hello, I'm Sam Bevan, Investment Director in the Emerging Market Debt Team at Aberdeen. You are listening to Aberdeen's Sustainability Inspires podcast, discussing all things relating to sustainability. Today we'll be talking about investing towards meeting the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals and how business strategy can be aligned to these. I'm delighted to have with me here as a guest Seema Vasani, Group Head of Sustainability at Helios Towers, a leading telecommunications infrastructure company with tower sites across Africa, including frontier countries such as Tanzania, Democratic Republic of Congo, Ghana and Senegal. Helios Towers is a company I've been very familiar with as we follow it for our SDG-aligned EM debt and EM equity portfolios. As a bit of background, Seema joined uh, Helios Towers in early 2020 and has previously held sustainability roles in consultancy as well as the GSMA, which is the Mobile Injury Association, Vodafone and Sainsbury's as well. So Seema, welcome to our podcast. Hey, thanks, Sam. Great to be speaking to you today. And we're really lucky to have you here today. I know we're getting very close to you going on maternity leave. Uh, so <laughs> the important question, are, are you ready to have a newborn and a toddler under one roof? Uh, I don't think I will ever be ready for that. So I'm, I'm just, uh, <laughs> just going to go with the flow. <laughs> I'm really interested to know how uh, you came from. A classics degree from Cambridge University has, has led you to a career specialising in sustainability. I mean, yes, studying Latin and ancient Greek at university, it doesn't kind of, it's not vocational. I did, I really didn't have a clue what I wanted to do when I, um, when I left university. I started a temp job at a niche actuarial recruitment company. And during my time there, I stayed actually a lot longer than I had um, initially anticipated. But while I was there, I did a lot of uh, writing for the trade press. I became interested in SRI and corporate responsibility, and I got a job as a copywriter at a sustainability reporting and communications agency. And there I was writing 50, 60,000 word GRI reports. And this for me was the best foundation for understanding the, the breadth, the interconnectedness and the nuance of corporate sustainability. And that's been the foundation that's proven really useful uh, over various roles in corporate consulting, not-for-profit over the last, oh, I think it's over 13 years now. <laughs> so, yeah, that, so obviously a long career specialising in sustainability management, particularly in the, the corporate sector. So I'm interested in your conversations with investors in particular, how they focused on sustainability and, and what kind of questions you are most often asked and and whether the focus has changed over your career as well? I'd say the focus has changed considerably. Um, it's really only been in my role at Helios that I've had really meaningful conversations with investors around sustainability and we prefer to call it sustainable business. I think there's much more widespread acknowledgement today versus even five years ago that what has historically been called non-financial data, non-financial information, when it's actually material to a business, invariably has a financial impact. Um, at Helios, we we like to proactively engage with our investors as well. So we've spoken to our investors as part of materiality reviews, reporting reviews, and for feedback. So for example, when we were setting our carbon target back in 2021. And I'd say 
that climate change and carbon has probably been the biggest area for investor questions over the last 12 to 18 months. For a business like ours, investors generally appreciate the inherent and widespread social and economic development that comes with connectivity, particularly in our markets. The challenge is reducing carbon while expanding that connectivity. Now, the tower co-sharing model is at its core reducing environmental impact of the industry as it reduces the needs for multiple towers. But we work in incredibly diverse and, and complex geographies. So reducing carbon while expanding connectivity in markets which have limited or non-existent electricity is a real operational challenge. So I guess I could give you the example of DRC, a population of around 100 million one of the fastest growing markets for mobile globally. Um, mobile penetration is still really low, so it's really imperative for us as a business to roll out our network, to drive co-location on our towers. Um, but in terms of the country itself, it's about 10 times the size of the UK. It's got 1%, around 1% of the tarmac roads. And on average, we get about, well, six, maybe seven hours of, of grid electricity in, in a day. Um, now, ironically, the DRC actually has one of the cleanest grids in the world due to the country's hydropower generation. Um, so really, for us, when we're talking to investors, it's about bringing, telling our story, bringing, you know, awareness of our operating, operating context um, in our markets to, to life to, to really set the context for our sustainable business ambitions. Yeah, great to, to hear the on the ground examples there. And so, so you joined in 2020 and I know a big part of your role has been embedding sustainability into the business so can you walk us through how how you've done that sure and I guess you know the company was was doing lots of things around sustainability before I joined so I certainly can't take credit for um for for too much but I guess one of the first things that I did was look at creating a sustainable business strategy. So initially I was brought on and you know that we were discussing having a, a setting up a sustainability strategy, but we realized very quickly that it made much more sense for us as a business to have an integrated strategy rather than have the business strategy on this side and the separate sustainability strategy um, on, on the other. Um, so that was that was really the, the the first key step, and it was you know making sure that I guess there was governance around around that. Now Tom, our CEO, he um, led a refresh of that strategy as he became CEO last year, and we have a set of twenty twenty six targets which look simultaneously at business growth, digital inclusion, uh, developing safe local teams, climate action. All of these things are working together for our you know long term success. Um, and these targets are embedded across business functions. So, for example, carbon isn't something that sits within my small sustainability team. Actually, it's driven by our engineering and our operations teams as they have the greatest influence over reducing scope one and two emissions. So it really is about embedding where it's where each team can can ha have the greatest influence over the value that we're creating or the impacts that we're having um, and making sure that you know that is in embedded in terms of day-to-day -day business processes um, and I'd also say I mean, we uh, I feel very fortunate that sustainable business is championed by the board by our executive leadership team and I think over the last few years that's what's really helped to make for, for the business to make such great progress um, on a number of topics and a really short space of time. So earlier this year, we 
incorporated an impact scorecard as part of our long-term incentive plan. And that includes KPIs on carbon, on gender, on population coverage. And it really is a, you know, a really strong reflection, I think, of, um, of leadership commitment to uh, these, these you know, social and environmental topics. Yeah, I'm really encouraged to hear you talk to 2026 targets because they're near-term targets that we can measure the company against. When you talk about net zero, we hear 2050 all the time, but it's so far in the future that it's hard to to really quantify how you get there. So having those those nearer term targets gives us a bit more to focus on in the in the in the immediate. I would like to, to maybe shift the topic a little bit to the the SDGs and so how how Helios Towers thinks about them. I mean, there's 17 different SDGs and within them 169 sub-indicators. So it can feel quite overwhelming as investors to know where to start. So how do you kind of step back as a business and think about which ones are important to us? So I think it's um, our, our approach is to look at actually not necessarily what they're, how important they are to us, but actually where, where can we as a business drive the greatest impact? So... We did a mapping exercise back in 2020. We refreshed it last year, and that that really involved reviewing all 169 indicators and assessing which ones are the ones that we contribute to through our core business. Now, the results of that exercise can be seen in our annual report supplement. And the way we've disclosed it is to map it against our material issues, the KPIs that we have, and the SDG indicators. Now, you know, the 169 indicators are targeted at countries and governments. So for us, it, it was really important to show which KPIs, uh, which data points we're using in, in our business to actually help drive decision making. I guess we, we're working, we're, we're part of the mobile industry. And so we're fortunate in the fact that mobile industry is unique in that it can contribute positively to all 17 sustainable development goals. You know, there's examples, numerous examples of how mobile can help drive health, education, gender. It's allowed millions of people in our markets who have never had a bank account. It's enabled them to to access financial services for the very first time. I mean, these are just a few examples. Um, The GSMA, the Industry Association, produces an SDG impact report every year, which evidences how mobile is contributing to each of these goals. Um, but the, but I think the key takeaway is each year it's showing that mobile's contribution is increasing on a on a year on year basis. Yeah, on top of that, like there's a lot of data around how increasing internet penetration has a massive growth multiplier for for these developing countries, and obviously Helios is uh, Helios is operating in countries with very low mobile connectivity relative to OECD countries. When, when I think about how Aberdeen thinks about the SDGs and aligning them for our portfolios, the, the first question we always ask is, is, does the company meet an unmet need and, and how does it provide a solution to this unmet need? And I think the case is really clear for Helios Towers in terms of the essential infrastructure you're building out in these countries that are lacking access. And it clearly aligns with SDG 9.C. Um, we then go on to think about how we quantitatively assess that. So in terms of the materiality for the business, and again, it's it's clear for, for Helios in terms of the discretionary capex that is going towards 
adding new sites and improving rural connectivity. And we can really track that with this company. And lastly, and what I want to ask you about is around measuring impact because there are 2030 SDG targets to be met. And I think it's a crucial part of SDG investing is, is getting the data from the companies we invest in and, and, and measuring the impact. So what sustainable data do uh, Helios provide and, and how has this evolved over time and, and how do you go around collecting this data? I mean, firstly, so I agree, measuring impact is crucial. Um, I really strongly believe that the data that you collect should not just be useful to reflect your your progress, but actually it should be driving better decision making. And I think that's why, um, you know, having an integrated sustainable business strategy is really helpful because we have, you know, 2026 targets such as having 250 million people coming under the coverage footprint of our towers, at least 30% uh, gender diversity. We've got our carbon target, you know, percentage of local employees, number of rural sites. These are already all, you know, uh, top line indicators for, for our performance on, um, on a number of areas, including our, our growth target of 22,000 towers by 2026. Um, we also have a number of other you know, KPIs and data points that we that we track and monitor internally, but we also include in our reporting. And in terms of evolution, I, I really think our focus on improving reporting year on year has helped us to look at additional data that can um, that can be useful for for decision making, as I said at the beginning. So we can only report on on the data we get from companies and, and part of our engagements with mobile providers has been around getting data around rural connectivity. So it's a real debt progress. And I would I'd definitely note that in terms of the data provided, Helios is the, the streets ahead of some of their peers. And, you know, we need to see this progress happening across the board. Maybe just in terms of, so, so obviously you're operating a, across Africa and in, in countries that are very early stage in terms of their development and that some investors might deem particularly risky. You've mentioned the, the DRC and obviously it's a particularly volatile history in that country in particular. So, so I'm interested to hear what are some of the biggest challenges that you face in terms of integrating sustainability in, in these countries? Sure. And I guess maybe when we think about integrating sustainability, as you mentioned, there's just huge opportunity. So we're operating in countries where the need for mobile is acute and when we talk about sustainability, expanding connectivity there is changing lives, driving real social and economic development. I guess when you, you know, you can often see attention grabbing headlines uh, for some of our markets. What I would say is our business has been resilient. Um, of course, our primary focus is always to make sure that our people and our partners are safe. But ultimately, we're classified as an essential service. So it's continuing our operations is critical for all of our stakeholders. So if I give you the, an example, the Eastern DRC border has experienced conflict on and off, really, since we started operations there a decade ago. This hasn't impact, impacted our business. Conflicting parties have actually called truces so that we can enable, um, so, that, so that we actually can access our sites. And that just, it really reflects how, how critical mobile is because there is that it's the only form of connectivity there 
Um, of course, governance is uh, another key area of focus for us. We recognise that there are elevated risks in some of our markets. So we've spent a long time you know, creating a culture of ethics, integrity, um, embedding robust processes and procedures to ensure that our business is conducted at the highest ethical uh, standards. And, and I guess we're bringing in you know, globally recognized international accreditations and standards. So for example, I think we're, we're the only company in Africa to hold ISO accreditations for quality, environment, safety, anti-bribery. Now, we, we hold these for our own businesses, but our approach is to also work with our partners to encourage them to, you know, raise, raise standards and, and to get these ISO accreditations as well. So it, it really is trying to have that multiplier um, impact in, in the markets as we, as we work. I'm also thinking around, so powering these tower sites, generally, um, some of them in rural connections, I imagine, don't have connection to the electricity grid. So, so how do you go about powering these sites and how do you make that more green? So we have, we've been working over the last number of years to reduce our reliance on diesel. As you said, um, we work in markets with, which have really varying rate, you know, uh, access to electricity. Even when you do have access to electricity, that that access is not always reliable. Um, so we do have generators as backup power sources on all of our sites. In terms of digital inclusion, we can have the tower, but that tower needs to be powered. So we we absolutely need to make sure that you know the, there are backup power sources in place. We spent a lot of the focus from our um, operations and engineering teams is to look at the power configurations which do help to reduce carbon. Now for us. Diesel is the largest operating expenditure on a site, so it makes sense from a financial perspective, but also a carbon perspective to reduce that reliance and replace it with grid connections wherever possible, batteries, solar. Now, I mean, one of the things that investors often then ask me is, you know, why can't you put more solar on, on all of your sites? Now, the continent isn't always sunny and it isn't always appropriate to, to put solar on. However, we are really challenging ourselves at the moment to, to use more batteries, to use more solar, um, to support the load on our sites. Now, with co-location and having more tenants on our towers, which is obviously our business model, that power load increases. So it is a, it's a complex, you know, configuration that the, uh, the, the engineers work on to actually make sure that we're meeting the load, but trying to do that in a low carbon way. So we ask all our guests what we call the, uh, the crystal ball question. So looking into the future and, and I'm interested to hear what you think it holds for. If only I had a crystal ball right now, um, no, in terms of the future for the business. Um, I guess what I can say without having a crystal ball is the focus is really the delivery of our 2026 strategy, you know, growing to 22,000 towers, which should support a quarter of a billion people in our regions coming under the, the coverage footprint of our towers, you know, when we look at the low levels of mobile penetration in our in our markets, coupled with the massive population growth forecast, the demand for mobile and mobile internet is exponential. So I, I, I think it's really just about continuing to do what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, completely understood. Maybe moving to you and some of your personal journey through sustainability. So uh, can you tell us something that's particularly inspired you about sustainability, whether it's a, a book, a film or an experience that you've had? At uh, the end of last year, I had a fantastic opportunity to spend six weeks in Tanzania. I really wanted to get a feel for our business on the ground. So 
I took my laptop and my family and uh, went to work from our office in Dar es Salaam. Um, that for me has been was a, was a fantastic it, it just experience. It was incredible to get to know my colleagues, the culture, to meet to meet customers, to speak to our partners, to see children using a computer room that we built for a school near one of our towers. So that that for me was an experience that genuinely brought you know sustainable business at Helios Towers to life. And I realised that while I spend a lot of time, I sit in London and I talk about climate action. Actually, it's my colleagues that are experiencing climate change on a daily basis, and they've been adapting. They've been putting in solutions and mitigations for a lot longer than I've been talking to them about our carbon footprint. So it was a really enriching and, and humbling experience, which has helped to shape how I think and, and how I approach my job. Yeah, I think it's, uh, as you'd mentioned, a really great opportunity. And as part of our investment process, we do try to to get and go visit the countries that we invest in on the ground. As you say, being based in London, you don't necessarily get to to experience uh, what is being experienced by the locals. So the only way you can go live it is just get out there and, and and visit the companies that you're investing in and and the governments that you're investing in on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, I was so I, I managed to go to Malawi, which is you know just next door, and it's just an, incredible to see how you know, countries that are even so close are are so different and so diverse. And that's that's the real kind of diversity of our business. I think that also you mentioned that um, you do work with local communities in terms of getting internet access to schools in rural areas and also helping to provide uh, electricity for rural areas that may be off the grid. Can you talk a little bit about some of the projects? Sure. Um, so about 40% of our, of our portfolio is... Uh, a rural sites. Now we know in terms of context that rural communities are less likely to use mobile, are less likely to use mobile internet. So our, of course, I guess our core is to expand connectivity to these underserved areas. But what we also recognise is that there are lots of other barriers to digital inclusion, such as lack of digital skills. And so we're working with we're working on strategic community investment programs, which are helping to build digital skills and education in these rural areas. So across a number of our markets, Ghana, Tanzania, Senegal, for example, we've got projects where particularly where we've got towers near schools. And so we're going to be going to those areas anyway. We're looking we either build classrooms or refurbish classrooms and actually donate laptops or, or computers and, and make sure, you know, teachers are trained. Uh, students are trained. It, it's not necessarily just on digital skills. Actually, what we found is that it helps on the, the you know, the, the wider education piece. For the school in Ghana that I visited last year, we realised that we've, you know, created a, an ICT lab for that one school. But actually, there are seven neighbouring schools that are also coming and using that because it's a resource that you know is is so welcome and, and so appreciated uh, that actually the impact has been significantly larger than we had initially anticipated. So um, I know the whole the whole leadership team is is really proud of and we want to do you know more of these these projects that are are focused on investing in our communities and looking for long term impact. So it's something that we want to you know projects that we want to support on an ongoing basis um, rather than just you know putting in a classroom or putting in an ICT lab and then walking away. It's how can we then how can we develop that relationship so that we really understand the difference that, that you know digital skills are um, are making to to those students and to those those communities. Super interesting. 
I think we're so we're nearing the end of the podcast now, but um, maybe we can touch on on one final question. Um, and that being so, so what do you think the next big sustainability issue is for the financial industry, and what should we be watching out for? So personally, I don't see a, a next big issue. I think we'll continue to see much more mainstreaming of issues such as climate, climate action, decent work, human rights, gender, etc. I think what's key for the whole industry is to consider how, how can we help companies to embed social and environmental issues in strategy and in decision making, um, but also to understand the playoffs between social, economic, environmental impacts. So it would be it would be helpful for the financial industry investors and rating agencies to just further appreciate the nuance between companies and their operating contexts. So, for example, you know we've we've spoken a lot about the huge infrastructure requirements in our markets. We are un- unable today to set a science-based target, um, not with the growth, of, not with the growth of the, uh, of the business. Now, some investors and rating agencies might see that as a negative, but actually when you look a little bit deeper to understand why you know, our operating context and the fact that we're looking to promote a just transition for individuals and communities on our markets, I think you know, looking at companies with that additional nuance um, would be really helpful. I mean, we've also seen, you know, there's a raft of upcoming legislation. We've seen the recent release of the ISSB standards. And I think that will be onerous for, for many companies. I mean, I think generally the, the sustainability community has really welcomed the additional the focus on integrating sustainability into strategy and governance and risk. Um, personally, I think it would be great if the financial industry and regulators can support companies to actually embed the principles into their business and realise the benefits so that this doesn't end up becoming a compliance exercise or tick box exercise. Yeah, and I think that's a really important takeaway is that the companies really should be focusing on the areas where they can have the biggest impact rather than trying to tick every single box that um, regulators put in front of them. So, yeah, Seema, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, best of luck Thank with you. the rest of your pregnancy. <laughs> Thank you very much. To everyone listening, uh, this has been Aberdeen's podcast, Sustainability Inspires, aiming to get you inspired and get involved. Many thanks for listening. Um, you can find all our podcasts on our website. Goodbye for now. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns 
return projections or estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.